Tea Soul Pop, Season 7, Episode 5. Hello and welcome to Tea Soul Pop, the mini podcast for busy teachers. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about making teaching materials more inclusive is Lottie Galpin. Lottie is an inclusive ELT consultant, trainer, editor and writer. In her work, she helps publishers and freelance publishing people to understand how to create materials that represent the true diversity of the worlds we live in. She specialises in representations of mental health, disability, social economic realities and in creating accessible materials. Thank you so much for your time, Lottie. A very warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So in today's episode, we're talking about the importance of inclusion in the language classroom and how we can work with existing resources and materials such as course books to make our classes more inclusive. As with many TESOL POP episodes, today's episode is relevant whether you teach English language or other subjects. So why not continue the conversation by sharing today's episode with your teaching community? Lottie, why is it so important that we think about inclusion in our language classes? Oh, wow, that's a really good question. And it's quite hard to answer just in the time that we've got. Um, So I think, first of all, let's try and understand what we mean by inclusion. Um, It's a tricky term, because if we think about including something, that generally means that the people with power are including people with um, people who are excluded. And that, you know, you can see that that's problematic in terms of um, kind of a power dimension. So, Um, Inclusion isn't the perfect word, but we'll use it today just because it's quite commonly known and, you know, it's easy to work with. Um, So typically when we think about inclusion, um, people tend to think about inclusive education in terms of including people who might have or students who might have additional needs or specific learning differences like say dyslexia or you know other forms of neurodiversity so that's one way of defining inclusion and that's obviously like super important we want everyone to be um to feel you know that they belong to be able to access materials and you know to be able to succeed in the classroom Um, But what I kind of wanted to look at and where I'm coming from is what I would call inclusive content or inclusive representation. And that means materials that, you know, represent people who are typically excluded um, from materials or people who are marginalised in society. So when we think about ELT materials, typically not all the time but typically they tend to default to a a quite specific norm and that norm doesn't really represent the world doesn't really represent our students doesn't really represent teachers and that norm tends to be you know um uh non-disabled white heteronormative um neurotypical um quite middle class so in that way the representation we give in materials is a pretty limited representation of reality. Um, Now, that is problematic because it can, you know, exclude students. If you can't see yourself in materials, if you can't see someone who looks like you or has a similar identity to you, then um, logically, you're not going to feel, you know, that you belong in those materials, perhaps in that subject, um, perhaps even in education, you know, so the potential for um, damage caused by not including people is is quite large. Um, so when we think about inclusive materials in our classroom, we're thinking about 
ensuring all students can see themselves. We're thinking about um, ensuring all students have the language to talk about themselves. So if we're thinking um, about you know, a common subject like uh, talking about appearance, we need to make sure we're giving students the right language to describe their skin tone, their hair. Um, and the other reason that inclusive materials or inclusive representation is important is that it um, teaches all our students about the reality of the world. You know, like all our students, reg regardless of where they are, are likely to come into contact with people who um, might come from, you know, a marginalized or underrepresented background. And it's important that, you know, students know how to interact with people. They are learning those kind of intercultural 21st century skills that really um, prepare them for the world. Many of our listeners are probably working with materials that they've been assigned by their school or language centre. I'm thinking about the course books I've had to work with over my career. What tips do you have here for working with existing materials when you want to make your classes and materials more inclusive? Okay, so... If we're thinking about, you know, making them more inclusive in terms of representation, um, then there are, you know, different things that we can do. And obviously we can't cover them all here, um, but I thought we could break them down into sort of three different categories and look at it that way. Um, right. So the first thing we can do is analyse. And um, by that, I mean, what we can do is ask students to interact with that textbook and consider how representative it is. Um, so that could be something like having students look at the types of photos and what people are doing in the photos. It could be something like having students look at the types of people that are represented in texts or um, the types of places that are represented. To give you a practical example, if we thought about gender representation which is you know fairly applicable everywhere what you could do is start with a video or a text or a social media post about say gender representation in films um, and use that as an intro to the topic feed in some you know useful vocab and then you could have students look at um, a section of the textbook or the whole textbook and look at representation of different genders and how they are represented. So they could simply, you know, tally up the number of different genders. They could tally them up and make notes. For example, you know, there are 23 women and all of them are cooking. You know, if you, it's just to get, to get students thinking about, you know, the content that's there. And then following on from that, you could have students, you know, think about maybe why that's happening. You know, that could be just a bit of a discussion. And then you could follow up with um, some kind of output. They could write a report, do a video, you know, a presentation, social media post, whatever works for your context. Now, I know that when I was teaching, I tended to adapt from the textbook um, because the materials weren't quite, you know, relevant for the classes I was teaching or even perhaps, you know, the country I was teaching in that um, culturally it wasn't appropriate. So... I think that that's a really good thing for teachers to do to begin to make their existing textbooks more inclusive. So some things you could do are swapping out some of the photos. So what you can do, let's say you've got um, a vocabulary page with, you know, the standard thing, you've got eight photos, say, of people doing sports and some text exercises underneath. 
So what you can do is transfer that text to a Word document and then, you know, find your own eight photos um, representing these different vocab items. And that way you can include some more diverse representation. Um, so that might be, you know, um, a range of ethnicities or including some disabled people amongst those images. But it just gives you an opportunity to vary um, the kind of photos and images that students are encountering in the lesson. And I think that that's important because um, photos really do create kind of a landscape and a really strong first impression for students. They're, you know, a very, for, for a generation or for people now that are very visual, um, they really do have a strong effect on how people interact with those materials. You've mentioned analysing and adapting or making small changes to a course book to have a big impact. What was the final tip you'd like to share? So that's supplementing and really um, it's kind of an extension of adapting or changing. But in this scenario, we're either giving um, an alternative to what's in the textbook or additional material to what's in the textbook. So. Um, let's say you have a text about um, a European inventor. What you could do is um, provide texts, um, you know, write, research and write your own texts about inventors from a range of countries or with a range of identities, you know, so um, women inventors, inventors of a range of genders, um, disabled inventors and so on, um, to ensure that students are getting um, a more realistic view of the kind of people that invent things because there does tend to be a default in ELT materials that knowledge and creativity resides in Europe or in um, the US and you know clearly that's not true. Um, so you could do that in addition, the students would read, say, all four texts, um, or you could not include that text from the textbook and provide those other texts as an alternative. And, um, you know, either of those would be perfectly acceptable, you know, alternatives for approaching that. Um, another thing I'd say, and one thing I'm really keen on is relatability and achievability. So sometimes in textbooks, there will be activities that are just not relatable students because you know of their own you know personal circumstances or where they live or they might not be achievable because students don't have the life experience to talk about them so a classic example is talking about foreign holidays um, now some students won't be able to afford that some students um, you know culturally in that country you know in some countries people don't tend to go abroad they tend to you know holiday within the country so in both contexts, that activity isn't relatable or achievable. So when you have something like that, you know, you can have a look at it and think, well, are my students actually going to be able to do that? And then if not, you can rewrite the activity, but just choosing a context that might be more relatable for the students. So instead of foreign holiday, it could be a day out within, you know, within their country, just something that is more 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 relatable and more achievable for them to do I was going to say this is so important because it's there's nothing worse than sitting in a class where you just don't connect with the task and you, mm. like you say you don't have that life experience I've certainly been in scenarios myself both as a teacher and also as a student where there just mm. feels that disconnect and mm. you know students will go through the motions of doing the task but they won't really be very motivated to do it uh, because it's just not 
representative yeah. of their lives yeah no absolutely it's not representative of their lives and it, it might not actually be you know particularly much use to them in real life as well and if it's not useful to you you're not you know gonna engage with it because you know when am I ever going to talk about a foreign holiday if I never go on foreign holidays you know you would immediately kind of disconnect I think I also wanted to say just thinking about student generated materials you know you can ask students to do all of the above as well so you can ask students to have a look at the photos decide whether they think that they're you know um particularly representative and they could change the photos they could research them and they could do the same with the names and the places so they could have a look at the exercises and say okay I don't know a John a Jane or a Peter so let's replace those names so again getting students involved and giving them kind of ownership and um, empowering them in terms of that textbook this has been really helpful Lottie thank you so much for sharing your tips they're so practical and like you said Mm -hmm. if teachers are feeling a little bit overwhelmed by this Mm -hmm. their teaching community their students it can be very much a community effort and not a sole effort because we we know how busy it gets when teaching hey so gosh yeah absolutely yeah yeah (laughs) To find out more about Lottie's work, you can go to her website, lottiegalpin.com, or go to her Facebook or LinkedIn page. And as always, I've included those links in the show notes so you can find them easily. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or you have a topic that you'd like to pitch for an episode of Teasel Pop, then you can contact us via Instagram, Facebook or the website teaselpop.com. Finally, you can support the work we do at Teasel Pop by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast or by sharing today's episode with your teaching community or by even buying us a coffee at ko forward slash Teasel Pop.